Now that you've seen me, I can't let you live. My orders were only to destroy the spaceport, but now I will destroy everything. I'm Eddie Webb. <laughs> and I'm Chris Fivey. And today we're going to talk about Mobile Suit Gundam Wing here on Genreless. So before I dive into to, to, to talk about the show in context or whatnot, I'm curious because this is a show we've both seen. What, what's your personal experience with Gundam Wing? Well, that line that you used, I was surprised because that was the first thing I said to my wife when I first met her. <laughs> Not I'll kill you. <laughs> All right. Maybe I was lying a little bit. Um, I, I got a lot of the feels that I got the first time I saw it. But mm-hmm. now I have the context of being an old grumpy person and mm-hmm. thinking, why did younger me like this so much? Mm-hmm. I still enjoy yeah, so it. That's, that, that, that's interesting because, um, so uh, I'm actually relatively new to Gundam Wing. I started, I watched it for the first time last summer. Uh, so this was pretty much new to me. Uh, and I fell down a rabbit hole. I got into it in a way that, that defies logic and reason. Uh, because this is, it's not a bad show, but it's certainly flawed. And it's the kind of thing that like, I would only excuse if I had grown up watching it or if I watched it when I was younger, but I don't have that excuse at all. Uh, so, the, but this show is, is is really interesting. It was definitely, I think, worth us talking about. Um, so, for context, um, the past couple of shows we've done, we talked about have been OVAs. So these were things that went straight to video in Japan and also straight to video in the U.S. They were subtitled and then shipped over to the U.S. We're now back to broadcast television, and this was uh, released in the U.S. in two thousand uh, during uh, cartoon. Uh, uh, Adult Swim's uh, Toonami block. And this show is actually pretty important. We talked about kind of touchstones previously. You know, uh, uh, Robotech was a touchstone. Uh, Voltron was kind of the same touchstone from a different perspective, a less successful perspective from a creative perspective, if not financial perspective. Um, this is another one where right around this time, uh, the cable networks instituted age appropriate times like you know you only show certain things at certain times and you have to mark them accordingly and what it was what happens to cartoon network since it was originally just all kids stuff it's like oh so that means we can show adult stuff at certain times of the day uh and so they did two versions of this show one of which was edited to conform with appropriate uh, broadcast guidelines for children and then an unedited version at night for adults, and that became wildly successful and led to a lot of importation of other anime, like like uh, Big O, because one of the things came after uh, Gundam Wing. So this is kind of a landmark thing, because this, this, was, this was America's first exposure to uh, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam as a franchise, and really the first kind of pop culture exposure to this style of militaristic question mark uh, anime. 
Now, for me, we, we watched this at my old show, as we talked about. Um, but for me, the reason why I think I gravitated to this show is because it's also weirdly a, a reunion of voice actors from Transformers Beast Wars. Because like hmm. a lot of the actors that worked on Beast Wars also worked on this. So I can't hear Duo's voice without hearing Rat Trap, which is amazing to me. Um, but also the voice acting is often funny despite itself, not intentionally <laughs> funny. <laughs> um, so the subtitles are definitely the, the better way for one to experience this as a serious story, which is how we're approaching this. Although again, question mark, I'm serious. Uh, so do you have any other high level thoughts before I dive into the first episode? Just that this is, we couldn't do a season about giant robots without doing Gundam wing. No, There's absolutely not. no way to have done it. And to go back to it now that I've actually seen, um, mobile suit zero eighth. Mm-hmm. I, in my brain, the whole time I was comparing to do the two, trying to figure out which one I liked more and why. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting dichotomy for me, having seen like the mo- the zero eighth as an adult and never having seen it before, and really gravitating towards it, and having seen this as a kid and having gravitated toward it, put a vast disparity for me and made me like still enjoy it, but it lost something now that I have that other context. Yeah, and it's um, a good point. Um, uh, the mobile suit chronology is a, not quite you know uh, as complex as like say the Zelda chronology or you know uh, Kingdom Hearts but certainly it's a bit tricky to follow this is actually a parallel dimension to uh, the 079 chronology that we saw in uh, Zero Eighth Team so this is basically a reboot slash reimagining of Mobile Suit uh, so certainly it's very different in some ways, and and we could argue that it definitely loses a lot in some ways, but also it's it's not quite doing the same thing. Uh, so let's 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 kind of dig into that because I I think there's some interesting stuff to uncover here. And so we start with episode one, the shooting star she saw. In the year after Colony One Nine Five, after decades of oppression from the United Earth Sphere Alliance and its secret weapons organization Oz. A group of rebels in the space colony send down five mobile suits known as Gundams to overthrow the militaristic regime. Four of the Gundams successfully make it to Earth, 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 make it to Earth, but the fifth one, Wing Gundam, is intercepted during its descent by Oz's Lieutenant Zex Marquise, and it crashes into the Pacific Ocean. The Gundam's pilot, who goes by the name Hiro Yui, later washes up on shore and is discovered by Rolina Darlin, the daughter of the Alliance's vice foreign minister. And... This episode, the first time I watched it, I watched it and went, what the actual hell is going on? Because this episode doesn't really help at all (laughs) explaining much of anything. It just throws you right in. Um, But actually, before I go into more of that, uh, just while being communication, I have to talk about the intro theme. Because I am usually a person that skips the intro themes of shows. but I always listen to this in the same way that I always listen to the intro to um, Peacemaker. It's like, it, it just, I don't know why I love this song so much, but it's a really good song <laughs> for me. I just really dig it. It's, it's not, the music is not nearly as universally good as like say, well, as more consistently good, let's say, as like um, uh, the, the other one we reviewed. Oh my God, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, 
Hurricane. A mobile suit crisis. Or bubbling crisis. Mobile suit crisis? Wow, that's a different show. <laughs> uh, bubbling crisis. Um, but this one song, I, I, I really dig. It's it's just, I, 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 I always listen to it every time. It's great. I, I had why. to skip it every single time. I, I Couldn't do it? No. It's... I'm out of that bit. I'm out of that beat now. I think the only beat I'll ever have again for anime music is going to be Hurricane, at least for <laughs> like another decade. Great. No, that's 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 fair. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, the first time I watched this, I, I really had no clue what was going on. Like, it shows you, you get brief glimpses of the other four Gundam pilots, and they find extremely convoluted ways to get them to say their names. But really, it's just like there's there's Dua, Troa, Katra, and Wufei just blowing shit up, and you have no context for why or who they are or how they relate to Hero. It's just kind of chaos. And there's part of me that kind of digs that because it's probably how Earth felt when it's like this general robot just came and started blowing shit up. We don't know what's going on. But as a way to sell your series on someone who's never seen it before, it's pretty rough. I don't know. It depends on the audience that you're targeting. If you're targeting a younger audience, the immediate jump to action is probably going to like grab their attention more, and then you can try to like sneak in some plot on the side. I mean that that's fair. Uh, and again, this show's kind of odd because it's targeting two audiences, kind of intentionally, at least to America. It's intentionally targeting a younger audience and an older audience. Uh, so it's it's, I, and I will agree that like. In terms of just pure action and, and visuals, it, it, that's, it's a really strong start. Like, okay, this is this is a cool robot, and it transforms from a, 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 a I'm sorry, it, it starts off as a spaceship, and then transforms into a robot, and everyone freaks out, and goes, "Oh my god!" Um, and there's robots fighting at the start, and then there's other robots blowing stuff up. In terms of like just the sheer visual spectacle, yeah, that does draw you in. But in terms of the pilot being the show that t- shows tells you what this show is about. Well, I suppose being kind of a spectacle and a mess does actually sell the Gundam Wing experience on some level. Yeah. So, okay, I guess well done. Good job. <laughs> but even like watching it now, though, and seeing just that initial opening scene, the sheer raw devastation that Gundam guns bring. Mm-hmm. As a, when I was younger, I loved it. I like just loved that. Boom, look at that. Gone. But now mm-hmm. it doesn't work for me. Like, I like the the combats that take more skill is really what it boils down to. And you see them fighting and they're having like those high tension moments and everything else compared to I will shoot one ray. I will obliterate 10 enemies. I felt very Voltron watching it. That's fair. I mean, at least they didn't shoot a mountain and put a hole in it. So there's that. Well, do you want me to jump ahead a couple episodes? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> um. I think the other thing that I did like about this version is that um, it's uh, how do I put this? Um, it does a pretty good job of establishing at least the personality of the antagonists pretty early on. Like you get a good sense of who Zex is like in this first episode. It's odd. It's an odd choice to. Because Hero is kind of a blank slate of a character. And to be fair, that's pretty consistent throughout most of the show. Uh, but you do get a good sense of who Zex is. And he actually has some decent scenes 
talking about with his subordinates and, and you get a little bit of the kind of sense of what the, the military structure is like, whereas the Gundam pilots are really kind of a mystery in this first episode. So it's an interesting tactic to make the antagonist a little more understandable out of the gate. I could see that. But at the same time, if I go and think of thinking of it from like a kid's perspective, since they are basically child soldiers, that them being the heroes being more of a blank slate and you're just seeing them do action would help the kids project themselves more onto whoever it is piloting the super cool mecha that's blowing everything away. Which Very true. Helps them like cement more of your audience. So then they'll go and buy the toys. That's true. Or model kits in this case. Yeah. Um, which I have a thought on, but I'll get to that. As I am a horrible painter, I never got into the model kits because if I did, they'd just be like one big swath of blue and that would be it, even though it's not blue. Actually, the, the more recent model kits, they actually mold them in different color plastics so you don't even need to paint them anymore. It's just getting stickers on now because I'm also terrible at painting. Although I've been slowly learning how to paint like distress and like metal lines, stuff like that. So, As one of your Instagram followers, I will have to comment that I think that you are pretty amazing when you're building those and you're posting them all up there. And I'm like, look at what Eddie did. I could never do that. <laughs> Most of it is the kit, frankly. <laughs> but I thank you for the compliment. I appreciate that. Need to get back to that. Anyway, uh, do you have any more thoughts on the shooting star she saw? Yes. At least I think it's in this one. But the relationship, I said the other one in the Zero Eighth was forced. There, everything about the hero and Relena relationship just feels forced and wrong. Oh, yeah. And we can talk about it more as we go on, but it, it's starting here and it's just so bad like everything about it i will kill you i think i love you <laughs> it, it really is. um yeah that's a good point i, I we kind of glossed over that like so when he crashes and melina finds him there's definitely the implication of like i need to kill anybody who sees me this is a secret mission um which is kind of why i chose the line up front because that's really the theme of the first chunk of this show is that and so he just keeps, he just threatens to kill her at the end. He's like, going, you know, you come to my birthday party, I'll kill you. That seems like a, not a great way to build a relationship. It's like two irreconcilable poles. Um, and, and it frankly doesn't get, it certainly gets weirder, but I don't know if it gets better. It's it's such an odd relationship. And you're right, it, it is very forced. And the the other last point I, I think I want to make is that once he wakes up from once he finds him and sort of saves him from the water and he wakes up, isn't that a failed attempt to kill himself that goes off in a suit but doesn't work? <laughs> yes. So he, pu he pushes a button and his chest explodes and it doesn't work. <laughs> like, think about that as a young child watching that if you understand what just happened. Like, that is mind-blowing to me as an adult watching it, thinking of kids watching it, but boom. Well, and that is one thing that I actually like about Wing is um, as we, we learn as we go through the show that these these five pilots are not well-adjusted. Um, they are literal child soldiers. We talked, we danced around it a bit with, with the previous uh, a show um, where it's like they're in a military structure and they're children, but, you know, sometimes kids go into the military young and blah, blah, blah. This is like, no, th th you're, you're raising a teenager to pilot this death machine and then send them on their way by themselves to deal with this. So yeah, hero is, is just a programs 
machine at this point. Um, and kind of bad at his job on some level, <laughs> but um, it's, it's, he, it, there's a potential here to really explore the psyche of that dynamic, whether it achieves that we will see as we go through, but it's, it's an interesting setup and, and it, it definitely is. There's some, you're right. Some shocking moments where as a kid, you kind of go, okay, that was weird, but you move on. But as an adult, you're going, wait, did he just try to kill himself? Like episode one? Yeah. But that's, that's my final thought for the episode. Okay. Uh, so move on to episode two, the Gundam death scythe. Zex locates the sunken Gundam wing in the Pacific Ocean and seeks to claim it for Oz, while Hero attempts to destroy his Gundam with stolen torpedoes in order to prevent Oz from getting their hands on it. However, both of their plans are thwarted by Duo Maxwell, pilot of the Gundam death scythe. And again, we have a thing of like, okay, well, my mission's failed. I couldn't kill myself. So I'm going to enroll myself into a school, hack into the school computers, change my record so that I've always been a member of that school and my, my stuff's paid, and then find torpedoes at a, mil- at a naval base nearby to use those to destroy my Gundam that's in the bottom of the ocean floor. I respect the commitments to the mission <laughs> orders, but <laughs> seems a bit overworked. But again, it's, it's an up. interesting thread. Like it's like, here, hey, here's a toy you're supposed to buy. It got wrecked episode one, and now we're gonna try and destroy it episode two. If they were really all about marketing, then they would have destroyed it and built a one that was almost identical with a slight tweak so kids have to buy them both. Right. Which does actually happen later in the show. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But think of the level of skill that Hero yeah, has. Yeah. We're, we'll be generous and say Hero is 15. Right. But to be able to do all that, pilot, crash, and like sneak in there, hack all the computers and everything else, encapsulating for 15 years old, makes you wonder, what else has Hero ever done other than train to do this? And that brings the question, mm-hmm. the colonies that sent these kids to Earth to do that, like the moral ambiguity associated with all of them, regardless of the fact that earth is ruled by corrupt people. Like that's just layers of gray and ick on top of ick. Right. And that is one thing that the mobile suit franchise does really well is that, uh, with a couple of exceptions, uh, generally it tries to paint all sides as being morally ambiguous. There's a side that we generally are sympathetic to and a side we're generally not sympathetic to. But as we saw in 08 team, um, there's a lot of crossover and attempt to try to make both sides appear compelling, if not necessarily sympathetic. And this is one where it's like, yeah, I agree with you. Like the colonies seem like the people we should be rooting for, which is already kind of an odd. It's like when we live on earth, but we're the earth are the bad guys. And now it's like, okay, but also the colonies are, clearly not great if you start reading through between the lines of who these people are. And then we realize in this episode that the colonies are not talking to each other because Duo Maxwell has no idea who Hero is and tries to kill him. And then goes, oh, hey, there's a, there's a free Gundam suit I found at the bottom of the ocean. Maybe I'll salvage it for parts that looks kind of like mine. <laughs> which I love Duo. I'm, I'm gonna, cards on the table. Duo is my favorite character. Um, and I just love the, the pragmatism he has of like, oh, yep, free robot. Okay, I'm taking this. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed Duo. As when I was growing up, though, when I watched it, I, of course, I think like most, like a lot of people, loved Hero. Hero was like, mm-hmm. like my dude. Like that's who I, I was resonating with. But mm-hmm. he's also 
the protagonist of the show. It right. You can call it an ensemble, but it, it is the hero and friends show. It is. And it's, it's kind of cool to build the ensemble piece by piece, even though we as the audience know that there's an ensemble. Like the intro shows us all the characters and we saw all the characters in episode one. But Hero gets brought into the orbit of each of those characters throughout the, sh- the first part of the show. And so it's an interesting balance, I think, as opposed to like, here's the military unit and then we as the audience are learning relationships that already exist. We have the reverse a little bit here where it's like, okay, we know there's no relationship here. And so we're watching these be built. But also we are a little in the dark as to what the bigger plan is. But as we're learning through the first two episodes, even the characters piloting the pilot to the suits don't know what the whole plan is. So it's like, oh, okay, then we're on the same level as the, the protagonist. So that's actually not bad. And again, I'm, I'm with you in like the sense that hero's really skilled, but also he's a kid. So he makes mistakes. And that's interesting. It's interesting to have a character, a hero character, literally, who's <laughs> pretty flawed at the beginning. At the beginning? And like, like from, well, before day one, but I mean, like, you know, like basically at the mid, he, he, he tries to do something, he screws it up, and then it kind of just keeps screwing up, but then has moments of like really, like, strong, like, computer skills. Like, he just, the hacking skills almost like, he basically didn't even roll dice for that. You know, it's, it just narrated that scene. It was clear. Well, no, my, my at the beginning question was more for it, it doesn't stop, like, from the start of the show to the end of the show. It's, it's the same. Right, but uh, that's fair. But I mean, it's it's an uneven level of competence that I found compelling because it was and some things he's really fantastic and other things he's terrible. Like like obviously his social skills. Like I'm going to infiltrate this school and be just like the other students, and he sucks at it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if if the popular girl in school gives you an infiltrate party, you go to the party, and he's like, no, I'm I, I I'm ripping this up and throwing it in your face and I'm going to, you know, stay at home and hermit and quarantine myself. <laughs> so I mean, good COVID plan, bad infiltration plan. All right. Since you brought her back, he tries to kill her. She's saved Again. by Duo and then she jumps to defend Hero from Duro. Like, every part of this relationship bothers me. Like, it... it I, I am right oh, yeah. there with Duro thinking, am I the bad guy? Did I just save you? And then, that's kind of why I love about Duo is because Duo is like the character who like looks at the stuff happening and you're like, wait a minute, this is fucked up. Because <laughs> I was thinking the same thing like, wait, Duo, I thought you were the good guy here. <laughs> and even you're confused about this. So it's, you're, I, I'm with you. It's like this, again, I'm so conflicted about the show because like the central relationship that the show is telling us you must care about these two characters. It's like, that's the characters I care about the least, honestly, right now. So, the, all right, we've got our five primary pilots. What do you, how do you think the show views them in order of importance? Um, at this point or by the conclusion? Because those are by different things. Well, if people are listening to us, I'm going to assume they've watched more of the show, so they're not spoiled. Fair enough. If you're spoiled, please um, take a break, go catch up, then come back and listen to this. So the show, by by, by you know, by the time credits roll, um, Hero is the most important. Catra uh, is second most important. 
Um, and then it gets muddy between Duo and Troa. And then Wufei is dead last. Like the show, spoilers again, but the show basically forgets Wufei around the second half of the show. He just disappears for like several episodes. Clearly nobody cared about Wufei. Uh, Duo really was pretty high, but he kind of slows down because Catra kind of moves into the conscience that, uh, of, of the show. We don't have to say why yet because we'll get there, but I was just curious. Right, right. Yeah, I'm just saying. It's like, okay, fair. My breakdown is pretty um, much but, the same as yours for that. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it's, 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 and it's frustrating because, like, there's clearly a strong attempt to make them all equally important, and that just does not pan out. Now, I have since found in researching, because I actually inadvertently did research for the show, it, it was intentional, it just happened by accident, um, because somebody who shot me on name kept shoving videos in my face and let me down a YouTube rabbit hole. I don't know uh, who that but, person would be. Nobody you know, trust me. Um, but uh, I found out like there was actually a writer change that happens during the course of this show. Mm. Uh, right around episode 20-ish. The lead writer was, was fired and replaced with a different writer. And the lead writer had an episode planned for all the backstories for all these characters to tell all their backstories. And then because the changeover happened and then they had to put in two clip shows to make up times while they get the new team in place they ran out of episodes to actually do that in so there's all this backstory of these characters that just never got shown also here was supposed to die around episode 20 ish and he didn't that, that would make sense uh, so apparently the plan was that duo was going to actually be the protagonist hero's gonna kill and duo's gonna take his role and then hero didn't die and that screwed a lot of things up so, again, it's a muddy mess of a show in a lot of ways. Do we know why the lead writer was fired? Now I'm just curious. Because he refused, to, because he refused to kill Hero off, basically. Uh, so if he had killed Hero off, everything was on his plan. He brought him back. They were already committed to drawing at that point in time, so they couldn't change course. So they fired him to get someone else to basically find a new path with, with the new status quo they had. So, television, exciting. <laughs> Very yeah, interesting. Anyway, oh, so um, anything else about uh, episode two? No, no, no. I, I will not harp on the relationship, which seems to well, be like my, my my main thing I've noticed this entire season. Hmm. Is harping on maybe. bad relationships? Yeah, may, maybe we'll ditch our current plans for season three and make it a whole season three of just romantic comedies. Well, it's been nice doing this with you. I hope you <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. You could go. Episode seven, Snare Over Bloodshed, which is a great romantic comedy title. The five Gundams all gather at the new Edwards base in an attempt to kill the higher echelon members of Oz, but they discover too late they have been tricked. Hero has already eliminated the pacifist leaders of the Alliance, while Lady Un and the leader of Oz, Colonel Trace Kushranada, manipulate the only survivor, General Septum, into declaring war on the colonies before they kill him too. The alliance is overturned from within, and Oz takes over as a new ruling power. And to your point about Hero continues to be a screw-up throughout this episode, he straight up murders the people that they were trying to poker peace with because he saw a ship said, oh, that's Oz, and just sliced it without actually checking anything. Yep. And I kind of love that because... I love this episode. 
yeah, like if, it's, if you give a 15-year-old kid basically sketchy plans and say, just go take care of stuff, I don't know, figure it out, you're going to have mistakes like this in the battlefield, bad mistakes like this. And there's like definitely like all sorts of like the other good pilots going, ooh, oh, buddy, oh, that sucked. I really love that. I liked it. it was also stayed consistent to who the who the character was, and a lot of the reactions from the character stayed consistent to who they were up to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And it has one of the best death scenes <laughs> I've ever seen. We Is can wait to the person? very end of the episode if you want, but yeah, are we no, talking about it right now? It. Talk about it now. <laughs> that, 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 that scene's great. Go ahead and talk about it. The greatest death seat in the world. You get someone to like do what you want them to do. Then you kick them out of a plane, literally kick them out of a flying plane and still shoot them in the head as they fall down. That is beautiful. It is beautiful in execution. It's beautiful to see. And at one level, though, you can look at it as a mercy killing because he didn't have to have the fear of yelling all the way down and dying in pain. We hit the ground. It's true. But also, it is <laughs> the most badass lady un thing ever. Um, and it's funny because, like, uh, in the dub, uh, the guy dubbing Zatum's noise is really annoying. So, like, by the time you get to that scene, it's like, no, that, he, that guy deserved that. He deserved to be shot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's set up so great from a storyteller perspective because, like, they do this thing and, like, okay, they they they. Before all of this, they have the big meeting with all of the leaders of the Alliance. And Septim is kind of positioned as a rabble rouser, like, no, no, we need to we need to fight. And the leader's like, no, 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 we, we should we should negotiate peace. And then Oz pulls Septim off. Uh, and it's like, well, that fight's pulled, so you can go into our ship. Uh, and then it gets killed. Oz also uh, starts they have seated mobile suits throughout the Alliance military and they start turning on their allies and taking them out. So it's very clearly a planned takeover. And so it's set up like Septim's going to be like a minor, but prominent character in like the next chunk of episodes. Okay. We have Septim here. They clearly spent a lot of time carving him off. So he's going to be around for at least a while. And then they just straight up murder him at the end of the episode. He has like maybe 15 minutes of screen time. <laughs> and it's, really fantastic because you're like it's it's you know lady Yun's like thank you for doing this and then just like i said boots him out of a plane and then like shoots him through the head on top of it it's like you really wanted this guy super dead super dead um so it's like you 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 put him aside just to like basically do his youtube hostage video and then horribly murdered this guy it really sets up what kind of organization oz is and also what kind of chess player uh, Krishnata is. He's thinking yes, so that, many steps ahead. And that's why I love it. It shows like the beauty of planning tactics and execution, even if you're fighting a larger or more powerful opponent. Like that is mm-hmm. gold. That is also not quite the same, but somewhat of a tangent is how like Doctor Who and the Doctor operates. Like the Doctor is a brilliant character that uses intellect over everything else to win today mm-hmm. and frequently has like allies killing or fighting for them to do other stuff. And this is a very similar feel to that for me when I watched it, just the reverse, the evil plan. Right. And I also dug how, um, the show's unafraid to be like, okay, here's the status quo. You know, there's the earth Alliance and there's the colonies. 
And then say, well, there's this faction inside the Earth Alliance. Okay, cool. Well, they have a name that's neat. But then they take over. And it's like, oh, okay. And then we find out, uh, movie looks the next episode, but also there's another faction called the Rumafeller Foundation, which is also kind of sort of connected to us. So like, it, it really gets into how muddy these relationships really are. And of course, again, much further in the series is like how the colonies aren't on the same page and are actually at, at odds with each other. So it really presents a fairly realistic betrayal of these kinds of alliances because there, there's going to be sub-factions and, and groups and there's going to be internal struggles and conflicts. It felt very, not real, but approachable. It's like, okay, this is how people actually are. They're, they don't fall into the red camp and the purple camp. You know, they're, they're, people switch sides and they have different opinions and they they work against each other. So it was it was interesting to see, like I said, this kind of this, this plan done to perfection, but also oh, this this plan was probably going on even before we as viewers came into the into the scene. This is something that's been on for a while, so it almost can't like we came into like another show that was kind of concurrent to this. It was, it was an interesting little touch. I really like I said, I'm with you. I love this episode. This is one of my favorites, frankly. And it was a great chance to use those incredibly powerful Gundams that we're going to do it regardless of what they do and you use them as your instrument. Like that is just brilliant. Like I cannot beat you in a straight up conflict, but I know your tactics because they haven't changed since day one. I can put this in your path and you will do the same thing you've continued to do. Thank you for being a tool. Yeah. And that, and this other thing is great is like episode one, they're like, okay, this thing's powerful. Episode seven, they have turned that power against their enemies. Six episodes distance from, well, that's really scary to, okay, now we have pointed that in a direction that benefits us. That's just, again, super efficient storytelling. I really dug it. And the way it's paced, we as the audience kind of see it right before it happens. Like we start to get a sense of something's going wrong. And then like right around the time that the plane takes off and we see Hero, it's like, oh no, 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 no. And then Hero does it. It's like, you did the thing. Oh my God. So I mean, it's really good that like, we feel like the oh that was a bad choice like right before it happens. So it's it, and it's a pretty it's a, it's a big shock. It's like oh this is the show's not going the direction I thought it was going in. This episode right here is frankly what turned me into okay I, I dig the show I dig what the show is doing. <laughs> okay, anything else about scenario for legend? No, no, just that it. I, I'll give you a spoiler. It's the best episode out of the ones we watched, in my opinion. Spoiler. Yep, no, I think that's fair. Um, that's one of the reasons why I had to make sure it was on the list. Okay, episode nine, Portrait of a Ruined Country. Zex receives the res a restored tall geese mobile suit. Uh, side note that there's a prototype mobile suit that they found called the tall geese in between these two episodes. Uh, and he returns to land of his birth, the Sank Kingdom, in hopes of liberating it in the hands of the Alliance. The connection between Rolina and Zex is finally revealed. Uh, and on the one hand, there's not much to talk about because that's really all the plot relevant stuff that happens. It's not a heavy plot episode, but it is an interesting episode because a lot of it is based on talking about how dangerous it is to pilot the Toggies. And I found it interesting because uh, uh, my roommate, um, he, we've talked about it before, I think uh, he was in the Air Force. Um, and so he's talked to me a little bit about uh, G-forces and like, he's like, 
eight Gs will kill a pilot after like 10 seconds in a plane. So yeah, one of the things that pilots have to do as planes get faster is that they actually have to be careful not to inadvertently use all the power a plane has in the wrong circumstances because it could actually kill them in the middle of the flight. And so knowing that, watching this, it's like, no, yeah, you could actually kill yourself if this thing is just so overclocked and it has zero design. It's not designed to be piloted by people because it's just too powerful. And so it was an interesting dynamic of like, uh, uh, you know, yeah, you can just sit here and this thing is so good that it can actually break your ribs or, or cause internal bleeding. It's unfortunate that it's overcome by sheer willpower TMs. I mean, like that part, it, it starts to go off the rails a bit near the end there. Uh, but the initial thing of like the guy coming and coughing up blood and it's like going, hey, I powered this thing for you and it's really bad. Don't do it. And so his ex is like, I'm going to do the thing. It's like, don't do the thing. I'm going to do the thing. Which is just, you know, sex. But in the end, he veered off and went back. And the other person that tried to pilot it while they succeeded also died. Like that was a, a great show of it also. Mm-hmm. But it was also yeah. a chance to mm-hmm. see how people view Zex even more. That you have these people just willing to automatically <laughs> die for him to complete that mission even against all orders and everything else. Like you want this, I will do it for you because you can't do it. And that's a through line that right. pops up a couple mm-hmm. different times. And that is a, a great dis- sort of showing of the character without telling you about the character. And something I noticed on this watch through, that I noticed the last watch through, um, spoiler for the next episode we're about to talk about. So I'm like, wait, five minutes, I guess. Uh, but um it's implied in this episode, and we find for certain next episode that Relina and Zex are brother and sister. They're both part of the Peacecraft family. And one of the episodes we skipped over was that Relina realized she was a Peacecraft. But we find out in this episode that Zex is also a Peacecraft. But both of them have gaggles of people that are inexplicably willing to do anything for them. Because in, in Relina's school scenes, she always has that group of girls that follow around are going, are you going to Lee's birthday? Oh, I have to make sure it's great and everything. And they just want nothing but the best for Melina. And I realized that is a direct parallel to how Zex troops treat him. It's something about being a peace craft that makes people just like suddenly want to do anything you want. Which I found really interesting. That's why you also had that kid threaten to duel with Hero in the school mm-hmm. after he ripped up the birthday invitation. Right. Which and of course, another- here, I was just a hero. Did the, the, the sensible and, and uh, approachable thing of like stabbing him through his f- mask with his sword. Well, when when you when you school it, you got to school it right, and that is hero being a great student. I just every time I see those school scenes, I just see hero going. This this is how you child. Yes, I am childing well. I I have I have mastered being a child. <laughs> But that was also then the great parallel you get when it's duo and hero together. And I think it might be this one or another one where they're playing basketball together and, and duo's like, yes. lighten up. We're in school. Enjoy the moment where we get to just be kids and right. reinforces child soldiers, child soldiers, mm-hmm. child soldiers. Right. And again, that's one of the reasons why I like duo and particularly duo and hero together is that hero is, although we, we made jokes about his, his failures, his skill level is better. He can do things better than Duo when, in terms of military application. Duo is a more rounded person. And they make a really good 
comparison and contrast to each other because it, it, it's almost kind of almost a Holmes and Watson relationship in the sense that Holmes is the brain and Watson is the heart. It, it's kind of similar, only more murdery. Um, <laughs> but they, 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 they bring something out of each other, which I find really interesting. And again, that basketball scene is a great example of that. Although I think that's next episode, but whatever. It's fine. Also in this episode, which you glossed over is Trouba joins the circus <laughs> because that is a thing that happens. I would like to point out we're on, ep- we're wrapping up episode nine and how many times we've mentioned any of the other pilots that aren't hero or duo. Yeah. Right. Like um, I am glossing over some Troa centric stuff in our uh, uh, build here. Um, and the next couple episodes do get more into both uh, uh, Troa and Katra, but yeah, they're, I mean, through all of these, they're getting like a scene and like eat like a minute or two scenes. Um, I, we sadly glossed over some of my favorite supporting characters, which is Contra's uh, Contra, the, the Magwanak core, all of his uh, affiliates and associates. They're fantastic, um, but they just don't get much screen time. You know, we're not talking much about um, uh, uh, Zex's number two. Um, she's an amazing character. Uh, Gundam Wing had this weird moment of they built a really fantastic supporting cast and then just didn't really use them that much, mm-hmm. which is almost unfortunate. It's like either pair the characters back or give them more time. It, it was just a lot of times I was like, did, did this need to be a hero scene? Could this have been a, a, a Catra scene? Could this have been a Troa scene? It goes back to a similar, so yeah, that's, that's sad. a similar issue, except with uh bubblegum crisis. But with this one, they had so much more time and so many more episodes that if they had redone the beats, the show would have probably have would be the best anime ever made. It's good, mm-hmm. but I think the beats and like losing supporting cast, like the other pilots being pretty much tertiary characters, would have, was such easy. Well, I would say easy in retrospect, e- easy fixes that could have been done to elevate the show even more than it was. Yeah, yeah, but you know, and there's there's certainly times where it's like, man, I could have used a little more knowing and a little less yet another scene of Relina pining over Hero. You know, um, just the, the 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 balance was off, and I agree that what's frustrating about the show almost is like there's such good moments, and you can see the potential for this being, like you said, an amazing show, and it just doesn't quite get there. Uh, but anyway, let's um. Do you have any more about Portrait of Ruined Country before I go to the next episode? Just the name Peacecraft. Really. Peacecraft. That's it. Peacecraft? Because <laughs> Raylena is the pretty much the ultimate pacifist throughout the entire show, and her last name is Peacecraft. Even as a kid, you know, I, I you didn't need to hit me with a hammer. I could see the hammer and I could understand that transition. But pop. That's it. I wonder what their family does, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it's it's weirdly. I mean, although the other thing I noticed um, this time around is that most of the characters' names are numbers. Uh, so that messed me up once I realized that because there's duo is two, Tro is three, Gatra is four, Un is one. So that kind of weirded me out. 
<laughs> anyway, um, episode 16, The Sorrowful Battle. Hero and Troa arrive at Zex's Antarctica base, where Hero is reunited with his rebuilt Gundam. Uh, between the episodes, uh, the Gundam got blown up. He blew it up himself, and then it got rebuilt. Uh, however, Hero chooses to use Troa's Gundam heavy arms to duel Zex instead until Relina's arrival to stop the battle interrupts them again. During this, Noin reveals to Relina that Zex is her brother, Miliardo Peacecraft. When Oz carries a Carriers arrive to arrest him. Zex decides to surrender to them in order to allow Relina and Noin to escape, while Troa uses the Wing Gundam to pick up Hero and escape as well. Um, so this was basically um, one of the episodes we skipped was uh, the first fight between Hero and uh, Zex. Uh, Hero in the Wing Gundam, Zex in uh, the Talgis. That ended in a draw because they were interrupted. Um, so this is Zex has been prior to this episode, rebuilding uh, the Gundam off books. Like he's been told not to do this and he explicitly is defying orders to rebuild the Gundam so he can redo this duel. Uh, and it's the kind of dumb shit that teenage boys do. Right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> On some level, it's like, this makes no sense. It's like, but they're 15 and now it makes total sense. I do want to wreck one thing real quick um, is like I mentioned before I've, I've built uh, some models of these and I actually have built heavy arms specifically and you can take his arm off and you see that little stump at the end of his his joint so it's weirdly accurate to his kit <laughs> and I'm like that's not a functionality I expected to see but okay Very there cool. you go um, but was, what did you think of this it was a Mech fight done right. Mm -hmm. I can make a Voltron joke. And just by me saying I can make a Voltron joke, there's a Voltron joke. But <laughs> no, it was really good. It brought up the thing, though, that the honor that is associated with Zex as a character, which then goes back to reinforcing why everyone is so loyal to Zex, which was mm -hmm. nice to see. But at the same time, it parallels a little bit with Hero. And his thing is, I've like never shaken anyone's hand before. Mm -hmm. It's constantly re-going over those beats that you've already established about who these characters are. And that is something that I really like. Yeah. And also one thing I know you dinged uh, Voltron for that I saw here, because now I'm paying attention to it, is that it wasn't just two robots sitting there kind of shooting at each other. Um, the skill of the pilots was shown to be a factor. And there were little things like... Um, uh, Hero's arm was injured and uh, we saw a scene of Trey's going okay you're not going to be able to lift the heavy guns of my heavy arms so I have built in a thing so that once you run out of ammo and your arm's tired then you can drop the arm off and get your beam saber and then that played out that way in the season like, set up like this is going to be a factor and it came to be a factor but the whole time it felt like both pilots were pushing their machines to their limits. And so it really wasn't about the two robots. The robots were just the weapons for these two men to have the duel. And that was a really good balance. And most of the Gundam wing duels are on that level. Frankly, this is just a representative sample, but most of them I think are like this, particularly um, the, the hero and uh, Zex ones. But I mean, there are other ones as well. And it was, it, 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 you're right. It was, it's just a really good, solid fight that was executed well, drawn well, acted well. 
top to bottom really good. I mean, it's not quite big O mech fights, but it's really close for me. It's funny you said that because I was thinking of saying something about the big O right there because it felt like a big O fight. I think a lot of it is you get to see the pilot inside mm-hmm. and you see them move. And as they move, the mech moves in response. There's some sort of association with that that really yep. sort of cements how the fights actually work and why the pilots are important. Yep. I agree. Um, and then it was kind of ruined by Relina hanging out of a plane and screaming at robots and them being able to have a conversation with her as she's just flying around between two robots. It's anime and I kind of accept on some level, but it, it jarred me because there was so much well done about how they set up the structure and the logic of that fight. And then to have this kind of illogical thing break that. And of course, on top of it being Relina, and we've already talked about that relationship. So it's like, it was just like, ugh, that, that just was a weird grinding halt to otherwise a really cool scene. The one good part, though, I will add for that, not her hanging out of the, the helicopter, which they should have speakers in the helicopter, but I ah, digression, um, is that when it's pointed <laughs> out that that's her brother, they flash to her butler slash pilot and you see his face drop and he already knew that. Yes. Like that was a mm-hmm. nice little touch. Yeah, no, that's a good point. They're they're very good about using a supporting cast to add on to the story. Um, similar to uh, when Noin and Relina are talking, and Noin just like straight up like, yeah, no, yeah, I love him, but I'll never tell him that. Um, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, I mean, it, 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 it fails the Bechtel test, sure, but I mean, it's the way she talked to Zex up to this. It was a little bit in doubt, right? Because he she pushed him hard and she talked, she was sassy to him. Like, so there was a lot of like, do these two like each other? And then she's like, no, I, I love him, but I'm, you know, this is how I express that. And it's like, okay, cool. That's, that's a, again, kind of a human relationship. Good stuff. Okay. Last one. Episode 24, the Gundam they call zero. Uh, a lot happened between these episodes. I'll just, we'll, we'll, Cover it in a bit. Let me go through the story first. Uh, Catra is now mentally unstable and is, uh, appears in the newly constructed Wing Gundam Zero and begins to destroy various colonies one by one. Lady Un sends Hero and Troa to fight back in the Mercurius and V8, while Subaroff, finding Un's behavior to be too lenient, stages a coup against her and cuts off the air supply to Wufei Duo and the Gundam Engineer's cells. And I picked this because I wanted to show how much the show changes in eight episodes and two of those are clip shows. So really we've had six episodes of movement and the board is different, completely different now. Uh, but also it's a pretty good Catra centric episode. Uh, because so to, to fill in relevant gaps, um, uh, Zex, was it Zex? No, I forget it's Zex or uh, Trey's someone. Uh, programs the Wing Gundam with uh, a system called Zero, which w- actually calculates and anticipates what enemies will do and beams that into your head so you can kind of mildly predict the future. Uh, and it has a side, side effect of people who are not prepared for it can really struggle with that. Uh, we, we Prior to this, Hero did that and you know, kind of fell right into his, I'm going to, I have to destroy everything. That's my mission thing. Uh, uh, Catra has decided that basically 
because the colonies are the ones that sent them down to start this war, that the colonies are the people need to be destroyed. It's the, I can see how you got there, but it's a bit too extreme, which is the point. Zero pushes the pilots to extreme logic of their thought process. And uh, in this, the, um, we saw a brief glance of, of five uh, scientists. These are the five scientists who built the five different Gundams for five different colonies. And they built uh, new suits, the Mercurius and the V8, which are the ones that we see here on Troa piloting. So these are kind of the next step of Gundams. And Catra just annihilates them <laughs> with the wing gun zero. Uh, but this is, I think, a really cool Catra episode because the potential was genuinely very interesting. Catra was this kind of that we glossed over, but he's he's kind of a, a, a lighthearted. Um, he's he's soft-hearted. I mean, he cares about people. He wants people to do well. He wants to um, he wants the war to stop. He's only doing this because he feels like it's the only way to get forward. And then he has just gone. Nope, gonna murder, just, just murder everyone. <laughs> And here on Troy, like, hey, buddy, we should maybe calm down. Like, nope, gonna murder everybody. It's like, okay, we're just gonna shoot you a little bit. Maybe they'll calm me down. Nope, murder. And it's like, oh, oh okay. Um, we, we're seeing that the, the 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 characters are starting to have relationships with each other. Um, and, you know, we see a bit of the Wu Fei duo dynamic. So I was like, okay, now that we're moving the pairs around to give them a chance to bounce off each other in different ways, which is a smart tactic, but I think it kind of, too little, too late at this point. We're episode twenty-four. We're at halfway through, and we're just now starting to really build these these secondary relationships. And so it's like the whole Wu Fei duo thing, kind of just Wu Fei no cells duo, because Nuo just like I'm going to keep talking because I'm nervous, and Wu Fei's like whatever, memorizing schematics. It's like we're dying. It's like cool, memorizing schematics. And it's just so I, I feel like it's it's not quite working in that front, but it's interesting to see how fast this show changes status quos. And this- what were your thoughts about it? Would be where we talk about the massive energy weapon that blows up asteroids and planets, and everything right. goes big boom. Or in this case, a colony. Yeah, it's a thing that I hate. Like, I just Death Star level weapons on the Mecca doesn't like work with, work for me because I go back to all my old points. Like, how much how much charge is in that gun? Why is it doing that? It's one of the things I loved about the yeah. Big O is how they had like their missile episode after she told the missiles, sir, we're all out of missiles. They never seem to run out mm-hmm. of power and it's constantly like a escalation. Like my mech's better than your mech. No, my mech's better than your mech. I've got a new mech that's better than your mech. It loses like that thing that I really liked about it going on with that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, when I started watching this, a friend of mine who's a, um, a huge mobile gun fan uh, was like, just so you know, every time they go to space, the show starts to suck. And I'm like, it can't be that bad. Uh, but this is a pretty representative example. Like the, the, the Gundam fight is not as good as the one we saw a couple episodes previous, you know? Um, and I think it's something about, it, it's, I mean, it's, I would say it's floaty. I mean, well, it's kind of obvious they're in space, but, um, <laughs> The whole thing we talked about before about how feeling like the pilot skill was a factor, this feels like Katra's being just the meat sack inside of the Gundam Zero, and the Zero's really doing all the work, which really does a service to Katra, frankly. 
But, you know, Duo had some funny lines, so there was that. <laughs> but part of the Duo and Wufei relationship, though, felt a lot similar to the Duo and Hero relationship, just from stoic character with comedic character. I'm wondering why why then Wufei and Duo didn't work for me, whereas Hero and Duo did. I'll think about that. Maybe it's because I have knowledge. I know that Wu Fei kind of goes nowhere, whereas I know Hero continues to grow as a character. So maybe that's what's what's bugging me is I know where that goes, and the answer is it goes nowhere. Uh, but anyway, so that's our expression of Gundam Wing. Normally, like in the past, we've been kind of trying to go through like the whole show, but this thing changes direction so often that we, I couldn't do it in six episodes. So I kind of had to. Pick a point, it's okay, it stops. It keeps changing from this point. It, it goes even more directions. Um, you know, I mean, like, we're, we're skipping over stuff like uh, uh, Zex embraces a, his peacecraft name and tries to create peace, and then he becomes the leader of the colonies and tries to rebel against Earth Alliance. I mean, it's a lot of stuff going on. Um, Subaroff is a whole separate subplot, and that goes for a while. Um, you know, they... they Oz gets overthrown by yet another group. Uh, so so there's lots of, of things moving and changing, which for a 49 episode show, I think is good. I think it's good that they're like, okay, we need to keep mixing up. But I do feel like at a certain point in time, it starts to feel like, okay, what's the next thing? It, it doesn't. It starts off very organic, and I think it starts to fall apart near the end, which again, they had a writing change, so it explains a lot of why it's okay. Now we have to make something out of the pieces we have left. Whereas there was a very clear, steady progression for those first like 16 episodes. Like we're going in a very clear direction and then it just kind of loses its way. But it is besides the Relina hero relationship. I was going to ask you, what is there anything else that bugged you or that you didn't like as much now than you did when you watched it as a kid? Their relationship aside and dealing with the actual, ramifications of them being child soldiers now that I know a lot more about that than I did then. Um, mm -hmm. No, not especially. Like, I still enjoyed it. I have more context now that I would apply to it, so I didn't enjoy it quite as much. But it is mm -hmm. still the, probably the anime that got so many people into anime in the US. And it was the thing that just made all the rest of this amazing stuff available to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is interesting to me that this show did not do well in Japan. Uh, Big O also did not do well in Japan. And those are two shows that really helped, like you said, get more people excited about the craft. Also, these are both shows that were relatively unlocalized compared to uh, Robotech compared to Voltron, where a lot was changed to make those shows into what they thought American audiences wanted. These were much closer to, let's do a script translation, change a couple of things that are like going to be cultural jokes or references, and then otherwise ship it. So this is much closer to a, a not a pure translation, but certainly it's, it's, it's a more literal translation than the other shows we've watched. Um. So it's interesting that these shows are were considered to be flawed in their original country, but they were just a powder keg to American audiences. And, and yeah, now we are here. We are twenty two years later. A lot of that, I think, 
wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Robotech and Voltron and now Gundam Wing. So it's a show I really enjoy kind of in spite of its flaws, but also because of its flaws. Uh, but also it's, you're right. We couldn't cover this without covering Gundam Wing because it's such an important part of the American appreciation of this genre. Because the other thing we could have almost have done is just had an entire season about Gundam, just the variations of the timelines and everything else and all the lore oh, yeah. that it has. Oh yeah. And we could have lots of what the fuck conversations about G Gundam because <laughs> man, that show is a trip. Imagine Gundam, but pro wrestling with all of the cultural sensitivity pro wrestling has for different cultures. <laughs> it's basically that show. Wow. Uh, anyway, do you have any final thoughts about the show? No, I, I'm glad we did the rewatch of it, but I mm-hmm. don't think I'll probably watch it again. Okay, well then what will you be watching? What will I be watching next? Next, we're going to take a, a slight deviation. We're going to go with something that's a little more current. Uh, we're going to go with Ginlock that's on HBO Max right now. And we're going to watch, start with episode one, season one, episode one, the pilot. Jump to episode six of season one, the only the only me I know. Episode eight of season one, Identity Crisis. Then we'll slide into season two with episode one of season two being when the leaves begin to turn. Episode six of season two, the third way, and round it out with season two, episode seven, Twilight. Look forward to it. I don't know anything about this show, so I'm completely new to this one. So I'm looking. I'm excited to see. It's a robot show. I've not seen anything of. I saw the first two episodes, so I figured we could try it out and see. No, it's going to be shot. Uh, so if people want to talk to you about uh, Gundam Wing or Genlock or anything else, where do they find you online? They can find me at darker underscore hue on Twitter. They can join the darker discord. Or if you want to throw some money my way, you can come to the darker Patreon where occasionally I will create cool short stories and other random nonsense. Mm-hmm. Fun. Uh, I do not have a Patreon, but you can still find me online at on Twitter as Pugsteady. That's P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. Uh, you can find my website at Pugsteady.com. Or also you can find me on the Darker Hue Discord uh, these days. Um, actually, just kind of hanging out. I, I don't have anything funny to say at this point. It's, it's been a really cool place to hang out and you know talk about stuff. So I enjoy that. So uh, yeah, so join us again next week where we talk about Genlock. And until then, we will catch you later.